Welcome to the Kenza Pod, brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. All right, let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to another episode of So Yo Wanna Bea. On today's show, we're gonna be hearing all about what it's like to be a freelance project manager. Our guest is Sarah Duran, mother of a toddler and owner of Fruition Initiatives, where she designs and leads projects for organizations and helps businesses refine their systems and processes. Sarah also coaches entrepreneurs, freelancers, and consultants on their business processes and their model. I discovered Sarah through a blog post she wrote for the Freelancers Union. And once I learned that she's not only an awesome freelance project manager and a mama, I knew that we needed to have her on the podcast. I too am a freelance project manager. So we're excited to have some fun sort of explaining what the heck this is, what it looks like, how to kind of get started, how much you can make and all of that fun stuff. This type of work, project management, is so important for businesses, but it can be kind of hard to fully understand exactly what we freelance project managers do. So in today's show, we'll be diving into who might be suited for this type of role, how to get into it, and what it looks like. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you. Thanks. Happy to be here. All right. So Sarah, thank you for being here and for sharing your time with us and your story. So we kind of covered a little bit of what you do for a living. But before we get into those details, tell us about yourself, um, kind of what your family looks like, what your day to day looks like. Who are you, Sarah? Tell us. So I live right outside of Denver, Colorado. Um, my husband and I are Colorado natives. We've lived here our whole lives. Our whole families live here. Um, we love living here and never want to leave. Um, <laughs> we have a two and a half year old daughter named Luna and we have uh, two big dogs and four chickens. So we're also oh. parents to six animals at our house. And yeah, I mean, like in terms of life right now, I think we're doing a lot of the, the same things that everyone else is doing, which is a lot of staying home. Um, but we love going outside. We do a lot of camping, hiking, that kind of stuff. We love spending time with our family. Our whole extended family is here. And so we spend a lot of time with our family. Um, my husband is also working from home, um, right now and probably in perpetuity, I think, but that kind of shifted this year with everything going on. So we both work from home and, um, you know, do the best we can. We have our, our daughter goes to uh, daycare two days a week and then hangs out with family members two days a week. And then we kind of wing it one day a week. <laughs> so uh, that's always fun. That working, working from home both together is super awesome. I think it's awesome. Uh, and on his lunch break, I can be like, it's your turn to unload the dishwasher. Whereas like <laughs> I've worked from home forever and I was always the one that was like, unloading the dishwasher, doing the laundry because I was just here. And now I have a second person to do all those things, which is awesome. I love what you were saying, Sarah, about, you know, just having your husband be able to help out with the the daily sort of what it takes to keep a household running. And I just want to mention quickly this idea that I've been thinking about and mulling over of, of the difference between, and I think what us at Kenza are trying to do is, is push instead of work-life balance, which we all have 
a reaction to that phrase, right? It's really all about work-life integration, like being able to integrate it all together and having the freedom to, you know, work for three hours and go do a yoga class or quickly unload the dishwasher and keep the laundry moving along so that by the time you get to the end of the day, you know, everything's been done. Your work has been done. Your household's been done and everything's moving like this well-oiled machine, which really, I mean, now that a lot of people are working from home, maybe that's starting to happen a lot more, but really like that's only possible when you're working for yourself. You know, when you get to choose, okay, no, I only take meetings from 10 to 12 generally so that I can do these other things later or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that, um, I, I think there's also like a lot of places where you can multitask and not like you lose your attention to whatever the thing is that you're doing. So uh, I know that like we're in, especially this year, like everything is on zoom, but I definitely try and take some calls where I'm just like, can we just do this as a phone call and I will like fold the laundry or something. So yes. it's not a call where I have to like be engaged on like a, something that I'm watching online, obviously. But um, and it actually I think the other thing I find with a lot of like Zoom calls where you're not like actively engaging with something, you're just like having a conversation is I I personally get super distracted. So if I'm mm -hmm. not like folding the laundry is a nice thing to do because I can still really pay attention while I'm doing something else as opposed to like checking my email, you know, like I just totally. get distracted when I'm sitting in front of my computer the whole time. So I think I, I totally agree with you. I think it, I love being able to integrate that throughout the day. Um, and it helps just like get everything done in less time. Totally. And I've even been doing this thing lately where uh, like I've been having a hard time trying to fit in like regular exercise. Like maybe there's certain mm -hmm. days here and there, but I, I need it like I need at least a walk every day, yeah. but even that sometimes is hard to find. And so what I've been doing lately that I've been loving is I'm scheduling walking calls Love it. <laughs> where I'm like having, mm -hmm. like I have a weekly check-in with one of my clients and we, it's a, it's a high level sort of strategic conversation. We're very rarely needing to like share screens or right. do anything. And I just asked him like, would you mind if I'm walking while we do this? Like the connection should be fine. He's like, of course, no problem. And I'll get in like three mm -hmm. miles in a, mm -hmm. just a conversation. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I think I mean, like one of the things that like I hated when I did not work for myself was just like having to be at a another place for eight hours a day. And yeah. so like the exercise was like the biggest one for me, because especially mm -hmm. in like this time of year, um, if I would regularly exercise like before work or after work. But like this time of year, it's like very, very dark <laughs> before work and yeah. after work. And so being able to like squeeze that in in the middle of the day is um, awesome. Um, so so speaking of working for yourself, how did that start? When when did you start doing that? How long ago was that? And how did that how did that come about? Yeah, so um, I well, I mean, I'll start a little bit further back. My parents own their own business and they have my own my whole life. Um, and so growing up, I. Um, I worked, I worked for them as soon as I could start working. I think I started working for them at 15 and um, all through college. And the whole time I was like, I will never own my own business because <laughs> I saw how stressful it was. My parents are incredibly successful and um, amazing, but I also was like dealing with finances, up and down markets, employees, like it was just, I could see how stressful it was for both of them. And so, 
I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to work for someone else. Someone else is going to take on all of that other responsibility. And I'm just going to like do my thing and not have to worry about all that peripheral stuff. And um, so I was like focused on that path. And I think what happened for me is um, like we talked about with the workout thing. I think that I got to a place where like working for other people um, was not giving me what I needed. And I didn't know at the time that it, that working for myself was going to shift that. And so mm. um, I just tra- started, I tried to find like things that I thought would give me what I needed, more flexibility in where I worked, more money, more autonomy over the projects I was running, all those kinds of things. And I got to a place where um, I was working my, like my dream job best job I had ever had. Amazing people, amazing company. The pay was great. I was working from home. I was like completely in charge of the projects I was running. And that's when I realized like, I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't like fully there. And I was like, well, if this isn't giving it to me, then like, I really got to try something different. And even then I wasn't like, I'm going to go work for myself. I was like, I just got to figure something else out. And so I, um, I, I quit that job. And I started getting my real estate license. That was like my stopgap mm. measure. And in the meantime, while I was doing that, I started taking on contract work for people that I'd worked for before. Um, so like former places that I'd work, colleagues, things like that. And um, the contract work started really taking off, the real estate, not so much. And um, <laughs> so then I was like, well, I feel like this is going to work. And so I just did it. I, I, I did it. I still kept my real estate license for like a a year, but about a year into, um, after I started fruition, which was about four years ago now, a year into starting fruition, I gave up my real estate license and was like, all right, I'm just going to focus on this. And, um, yeah. So I think it, the, the universe was like, you are supposed to be your own boss. And I just was fighting it the entire time. <laughs> no, I love that story, Sarah, um, because I feel like that's my story too. And that's why like you and I connected so much. And especially when I started reading about your story, I was like, I think I texted Beth and I was like, I found the me in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a she you has in every a two state. And, yeah. <laughs> She has a two and a half year old. I literally have exactly two and a half year old, oh, yeah. right. you know, right. and right. she's a project manager and she has the story of like, I did the same thing. I watched my dad running a business growing mm-hmm. up and I was like, uh-huh. "Ugh, that mm-hmm. looks terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. but then I re- like, and same thing. I had an amazing job. We were on a four, four day a week, 32 hour work week. So I had every single Friday off, great pay, same exact thing, like running projects, like doing it. And I was like, yeah, no, this still doesn't work for me. Like, especially, (laughs) and it was really when I had a kid, I was like, yeah, no, no one's going to tell me I can't come be with my kid when I want to be. Yep. Um, And so anyway, this is just encouragement to all you parents out there that like, just because you felt a certain way before, or you saw people run something a certain way before, doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be for you or that that's not right for you. Um, I resisted it for so long, but the good thing is, and I think this is a good thing for you, Um, And for me and for a lot of parents out there is that 
Um, we now have an incredible skill set, experience, and a network, and we've seen how companies run things, and we've seen what we don't like, and we see what we do like, and we're taking all of that into our own business and running it our own way, the way that we know things could be. And I think that that's really, really, really valuable. So I don't regret it, you know, and I'm sure no, you don't either. No, not at all. Yeah, I think that um, I've, like, Almost every single job that I've had has been working for like wonderful, amazing people, most of whom are still like very close friends and clients, quite frankly, to this day. So like, don't regret it for a second. And I also think that like working for yourself is not for everyone. So totally, I totally think that like having that experience and being able to not only like do that for yourself and help other people do it for themselves, if that's the right fit, but also like um, give other people those opportunities to partner or work for people like us eventually where we're like, okay, like maybe working for yourself isn't the right thing to do for you, but I can now help build um, a company or an organization that is like the place where like people, you know, want to work and are going to be able to thrive, even if they're not like working for themselves. So you took, you took the leap into freelancing before you had a kid then, right? Yes, like. that's right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how is that sort of translated now into how parenthood has turned out for you? Um, I mean, it, I don't, I could not be working for someone else and have a kid. Um, I think that it would, I think like having a nine to five job and being outside of my house and adding on that, like, I mean, like pre COVID, maybe I'd be working from home now anyways, but, um, having that nine to five job where you're like tacking on a half an hour, an hour on either side, plus like, like I said, working out is a big deal for me. So like also trying to fit in exercise, also trying to fit in like all the other things that you do in a day. Like, I just don't know. I don't know how it would work. Um, I also feel like we're incredibly lucky to ha have childcare from our families, which is flexible. And so um, flexible in like a blessing and a curse sort of way sometimes. Um, <laughs> But it also yep. But it also <laughs> means that um, we can like we have the flexibility to figure that out. Um, and now with my husband working from home, even though he works for another company, I think it's even more flexible. Where like you know, once in a while she can just like hang out downstairs while he's on a call or something like that. If we don't have um, childcare, so. And I think the other thing is like, I'm able, I mean, I think you have to like really work to structure your um, business and your work like this, and you may not get there right away, but I'm able to take time off and like, quite frankly, work less hours. Like I don't, mm -hmm. one of the, one of the like things that is really important to me is I really try not to work 40 hours a week. Um, yeah. And, and I think you can build your, you know, your business or your um, business model, your structure, however you want to like make that happen or not happen. But like, for me, I learned that like, I actually am like not my best self when I'm working 40 plus hours a week, because I don't have the time to like, do my own thing, hang out with my daughter, hang out with my husband, like, be outside, do all the things that I need to do. And so I've like really tried to intend it doesn't happen every week, there are definitely weeks where I work 40 plus hours, but I really try to structure my work so that I don't have to do that. Yeah, no, I love that. That's such a, it's such a great perk to be able to mm -hmm. scale your hours up and down mm -hmm. within your own, like having control over that, yeah. you know, not having like a company that decides to take on a project last minute. That's all of a sudden going to put a huge strain on their team because 
you know, the company needs that project or needs that client or wants that client or whatever. And now your whole, like, it's this snowball effect where your whole life now gets um, out of your control and in a way that it's, you're not even in charge of, you know, Um, that was, that was a huge breaking point for me too. And so that's just such a huge perk that you're in control of that. And if, yeah. if, you're, if you're working 40 plus hours a week, that was your choice. And if you don't like that, then now you have the choice to change that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the thing that I always say to people is like, if you like build, like your work should serve your life. And so like you build your business model to, to reflect that. And mm-hmm. like, I also know that like, we don't all have the luxury of like not working 40 hours a week or like right. being super choosy about the work that we get, especially in the beginning. I think a lot of times you have to build up to that, but you also have to just like make choices about like what's important. So like mm-hmm. if working for, if not working 40 hours a week is important, then maybe you're going to like not be able to like, maybe you also need to make a choice of like not living in that fancy neighborhood that you wanted to live in yeah. or other things <laughs> yeah. like that. So it's all like a balance of like figuring right. out what, what goes and what stays. Yeah, we have a a course coming out called You Can Do This, and it's a course to teach busy parents how to do this, how to work for themselves. And the the very first lesson we teach is determining your why. Like, why are you doing this? And getting really clear on that. And it can be short, it can be long, it can be professional and personal, it can be whatever. But throughout the entire course, we always are coming back to that because that drives everything. Like, if your why is simple, like, I want to be able to support my kids through virtual learning, Okay, well, that means that there are certain hours of the day where you need to not be available for working. Therefore, you need to build your schedule around your why and stay really true to that. And when a client comes along that you're really interested in, but they are going to demand much more of you than you really want to give, it's important to come back to that why and say, is it worth sacrificing my why or do I need to stay true to that right now and and figure something out with this particular potential client? Yeah, yeah, that's so important. I think one of the things that like, I um, coach people on quite frequently is that I think your, your why also shifts like constantly. And I think that um, the term I use is that like relevancy is iterative. And so like what's relevant to Mm. you right now, isn't going to be relevant to you maybe next week or next month or next year. And like, that's fine. But when you work for yourself, you have the flexibility to like constantly shift that all the time. Totally. Um, totally. I mean, it doesn't, it, I, that also follows with all the other things of like finding the right clients, having the right skill set, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, you have a lot more control over deciding how you want to live your life um, and being able to change that as much as you want. So what does it mean to be a freelance project manager and what type of work do you do? Um, I think that, um, and uh, Tiffany will, I think it's great because you'll be able to layer on here too. Cause I think that it really depends. Um, I think being a freelance, I think being a project manager in general is a fully, sorry, I got a dog scratching himself. <laughs> <laughs> Hi puppy. George. Damn um, it, George. George. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that being a project manager is a fully transferable <laughs> Um, skill set um, by itself. So I think if you, I mean, I think there's obviously like formal project management training, but I think that if you're a forward thinker and you see process and you're organized, then you have like the initial skill set to be a project manager. And then I think that um, you can transfer, you can use that skill set on pretty much any project. 
Um, I do think that you're going to be better suited to projects in which you have some level of content area expertise or and or experience. And so for me, I started my career as a teacher, as a third grade teacher. And so the beginning and then I worked for um, K-12 nonprofits um, for the first part of my career. And so when I started freelancing, that's where I got, I got all of my business from like referrals and previous people that I worked for before. So I did a lot of work and still do in the K-12 education space, um, whether that's project management for nonprofits or right now, one of my biggest clients um, is the University of Colorado Boulder, where I run a couple of research projects for them <clears throat> that have to do with K-12 education. And so, um, which is something I did in my, before I went out on my own too, was run research projects. And so, both my K-12 education experience and my research project experience transferred over into being able to run those type of projects for other people on my own. Um, but since then, I've taken on a bunch of projects that I've never done before. And so I think you also learn systems and um, methods that are transferable to other things. So I currently um, uh, run projects for people where I'm building online learning communities and developing processes around those or building out um, curriculum and training programs, which I think still taps into like my curriculum and design experience for when I was a teacher, but also leverages my project management experience. But I think once you get, I think it's about uh, like learn, knowing your content area and like leveraging that at least in the beginning is helpful. And then I also think, um, one like I have a, a couple of really solid long-term clients and so you also get to a place where like you know your content area but then you also know your once you get to know a client really well you can then jump to like other things because you know the team and the way people function and so that's mm -hmm. the client where I've been able to step outside and do a lot of different things um that have nothing to do with k-12 education um and um do and and get a lot of experience there and i think a lot of those skills are fully transferable to like lots of types of organizations and projects and things like that and if you're a fast learner you know you'll do it you'll do it once and it'll take you a little bit longer the first time but then you'll be able to put that on your resume and say hey now i now i know how to manage this yeah no there's just that was such a perfect explanation and painted a great picture for you know, how to take your previous experience and apply that to um, potential clients. And I, I think for freelance project management, one of the biggest the, the biggest pieces of value that that project managers bring to their clients is just being able to get things done without mm -hmm. without having to um, bother them, really, yeah. you know, as little as possible once the project gets going. And once you can get your foot in the door with a company who just needs to get something done, and then you're able to execute on that at a really high level and do everything you say you're going to do, ask all the right questions, bring the team together, give good reporting on kind of where things are at, what's coming, what are some potential roadblocks, all that kind of stuff. Then they're going to be like, holy crap, if we want something done, we better call Tiffany. Or we yep. better call Sarah. Like, yep. And then that's what your reputation becomes. Well, what, is, what does Tiffany do for you? Well, she helps us get things done. We have a project, you know, I have clients call me and they'll be like, or past clients like, hey, we have this project we really need to get done. Um, or can you take this on? You know, um, I even had one of our clients, they were hiring a new person and 
they desperately needed this position filled and they were also incredibly swamped and had absolutely no time to get this person onboarded and trained and started. So one time they had me just put together a project where I did all of that for them. I already knew the organization. Mm-hmm. I onboarded this person. I trained them. We got started on a project. I laid out how, like what would happen at the end of that and how she would be ready to go. And, you know, it's just things like that. So I think Sarah, you're to your point of like, if you can just get your foot in the door with an organization and show them like how on top of it you are, then it just goes from there. And anytime they are in their organization or talking to someone that needs to get a project executed, but there's no one who can really do it, you're going to be the one they call whether or not you have that experience, you know, because they know you're just going to figure it out. Absolutely. And what a great feeling for a business owner to have someone in your back pocket that you know is just going to figure it out and just get it done. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll be paid handsomely for it too. That's true. Because they yeah. know you're worth it. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I like one of the things that I've been doing over the last year, a uh, couple of years actually, is I've been, I, I think that like I started my career definitely like, like getting lots of things done. And that's also like for lots of projects, that's still absolutely where I'm at. Um, but with a lot of my clients, I've been trying to like shift up a level where I can do some of the more like strategic thinking for the projects and manage um, some of their internal team members to get things yes. done. Or yes. um, ha- I have one, pr- uh, my sister also works for me. And so there's also a layer of being able to just like delegate things once you've figured things out the first time. Um, and so I, I I also think there's like a big differentiator there in terms of how much you can charge um, in thinking about stratifying your business model a little bit so that you absolutely are there to like get things done. And then once you've done that for a while, you can start taking it up a level to saying like, you know, I'm going to like figure out how to get things done and then I'm going to help someone else do. <laughs> exactly. Once I went out on my own within a couple months, I was making 30% more than I was at, a, at, a, at my other job. And the reason for that is because I was project managing. And so I was able to go in and just keep a project moving, see who's done what, what needs to be done, do a quick couple of things. But the difference in ge- this isn't always true, but a lot of times when you're managing projects, you're not actually the one doing the things. Yeah. You're the one Mm -hmm. like a former colleague of mine calls it holding a space for the chaos. You know, you're the one making sure just things are getting done, bugging people when you have to touching base with the client, giving a status update. But if you can get good at this, it doesn't take that much time. And that's why it's so great because then you can just, you can take on multiple clients for big projects that are paying really good money and you're still not really having to spend that much time on it, which I love. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're able to take on a lot more clients when you're not doing the doing all the exactly. time. Um, mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, we only have so much time in a day. How many clients are you able to take on at a time, Sarah? That's a great question. Right now I have um, <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, two like pretty big clients that take up um, a lot of my time. And I'm more like an integrated part of their team. And so it's very much like they just know that they can like hand off projects to me here and there, um, Mm. depending on whatever it is. Um, And um, I have like long-term ongoing contracts with them. That's part of what I've been, I mean, I also have like a couple other, like I will take on like small clients or coaching clients like here and there that take up a a smaller part of my time. Um, But I'm spending about half of my time right now on those two big clients. 
I think actually a different question to ask is not necessarily how many clients, but how many projects do you have spinning at one time? Uh, yeah, that's, a <laughs> that's definitely a different question. That's the real question. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, but I, I also like the client mix that you just described. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we also encourage people to have, you know, maybe you have a couple of anchor clients, but mm -hmm. then also some small ones, because remember yeah. that you don't know what's going to happen here with the big ones. And yep. it's good not to put all your eggs in one basket. That's one of the things we tell everybody. Yes. So, so important. And I think like, mm -hmm. um, 2020, I mean, like 2020 has made me really feel that in a real way, yeah. but also yeah. I think that's like always been true. And I just like, didn't really, it hadn't really hit home for me. Um, and so this year I've been doing a lot of things to try and diversify my income streams and, um, not like my two core clients are both like also dear friends of mine. And so I want to work for them forever and ever. And I love them very much. <laughs> and, um, I also want to have like other income streams and, you know, things like that, that are, if I, if I lose one, then I have other things, um, down the line, which is why I also, you know, do individual coaching and I have smaller clients with one-off projects and I have, um, some like online course stuff and, and things like that, that I've been rolling out too, to just ha try and have some more passive income streams and different income streams where quite frankly, I can charge more. So like I charge more for a one-on-one -on -one coaching session than I do for one hour of my time running a project. Um, right. but yeah, I would say that in terms of the number of projects, anywhere from like five to 10, um, and that kind of depends on my, like you said, Tiffany, like my level of involvement. I think some of right. those projects I'm more involved um, at a like higher level strategic piece of it. And then some of those projects I'm more um, doing some of the actual like work um, mm -hmm. within the project. And those things definitely take up a lot more of my time. That's an interesting thing to think about. And even whether or not you're a project manager, I mean, anybody working for themselves essentially is a project manager, That's you right. know, at some level, yeah. whether yeah. or not you're selling yourself is that you have different projects that are, that you're spinning at any given time. And one of the things that, um, the very first things that we rolled out with Kenzo was something called a capacity planning tool. It's a freebie on our website. Oh, and Sarah, you might actually, you probably have a version of this for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if not, this might actually be helpful for you. But basically what it does is it's, it's a simple spreadsheet where on the left-hand side, you list out all the projects you have going. And um, across the, the right side of the call of the, um, spreadsheet is it goes week by week it's it's dates and so what you're doing at a really high level is you're saying like okay these are the five projects i have going and there's a way to kind of highlight the start and end dates yep and then you can kind of guess you know once you kind of get to know yourself and kind of what the what you think your involvement level is going to have to be on this project you can guess like all right for this project i'm probably only need to spend like three hours a week sort of checking in and keeping things moving but on this yep. one i'm a lot more involved there's a lot more going on or um, and so maybe it's 10 hours a week, or maybe it's like really heavy in the beginning for you and really light in the end for you. And what you can do is project out um, based on the amount of hours you want to be working each week, like maybe 20 or 40 or whatever, you can project out like, oh, okay, this week is going to be really nuts. I, according to this, I'm probably going to need to be putting in a 45 hour work week. Holy crap. Maybe I can shift a kickoff date. Maybe I need to get more childcare, whatever. Or on the flip side, you can say like, holy crap, at this point, all my projects drop off or most of my projects drop off and I'm, I'm going to have a huge lull there if I don't go book more work or I'm going to have a huge lull there. Maybe we should take a vacation or take a break or something. 
So if you find, if you're someone out there who finds yourself, you know, managing multiple projects, whether you're a project manager or not, and you're needing to figure out like, why do I keep getting, having these like crazy weeks sneak up on me? Mm -hmm. Or why do I keep having a lull hit that I wasn't really expecting? You know, that's something like that could be a helpful tool for people out there listening. Yeah, absolutely. You've mentioned that you, um, you've tapped into people you've worked with before for, for clients, but how else are you finding work or how did you find work in the beginning as a freelance project manager? I mean, for me, um, that was, that was the main way that I found work is I tapped my existing network. I'm relying on my reputation as a project manager working for other people when I do that. And so Mm -hmm. just like you said, I think people know that like they can give me almost any type of project and I can, you know, plan it out and get it done. Um, and so I really tapped my existing network and then I tapped my existing network to give me referrals. Um, so some of my biggest clients, um, my two biggest clients right now, are both referrals from people that I've worked with in the past. And so I just sort of did that thing, which honestly, I mean, I, I actually like hate quote unquote networking with strangers. It's like one of my most hated things ever, (laughs) but, um, I love quote unquote networking with like people I know. And so what I did and what I continue to do is I literally just like once, once a year or more frequently, depending on how my workload looks like, I will just like have coffee or virtual coffee nowadays at like with the people, with the people in my network and just be like, Hey, like, what are you up to? Here's what I'm up to. Like, do you have any, you know, um, opportunities for projects or like, is there anything that, and I think there's like, the other thing is just providing value to people all like all the time for free. So I like, you know, I blog, I write, newsletter. Um, I do um, a lot of stuff on social media and stuff like that, where I'm just like helping other people think about how to like do their best work and live their best life um, as well. Um, But I'm also a big believer that I will like have, you know, anyone that like reaches out to me and they're like, hey, like my um, my niece just graduated college and she's like thinking about doing this. Like, would you have coffee with her and like talk to her about it? Like I do a lot of that all the time where I want to pay it forward to people who have done that for me. Um, Mm -hmm. sort of like the conversation we're having right now, but like I have those conversations with, um, other people. So I think for me, it's been like a lot of networking. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of, um, you know, fellow freelancers, colleagues, friends who um, work on platforms like Upwork and stuff like that. And I think there's um, there's pros and cons there. I mean, there's pros and cons to the networking route, quite frankly, too. So I think that there's like a bunch of different ways that you can figure out how to get work. I think that one of the things that I really believe strongly in is that there's like more than enough work to go around. And so we should Mm -hmm. all be supporting each other. I think that Mm -hmm. freelancers often work in silos. And I know like the work that you guys are doing at Kenza is super important because I think that people are working in silos. And I think other like freelance platforms and things like that often keep people separated. Um, Mm -hmm. instead of encouraging people to work together and cross promote each other. Like there's, we're shifting into a freelance economy. We've already been shifting into a freelance economy and it's going to continue to happen. And I think there's more than enough work to go around, especially if you're good at stuff. 
And so finding fellow freelancers who are good at stuff, quite frankly, um, and, and easy to work with, like I will, you know, cross promote and refer people all day long. And I hope that people will will do those same things for me because I think there's more than enough work to go around. And I think we're, you know, we can all flourish together if we're helping each other out and supporting each other. You go girl. I love that. mm. She just, just going to take a moment. (laughs) Just soak that in. See Beth, see why I had to have her on here. Yeah, well, she <laughs> like she's our people. She just summarized our mission statement. Yeah? I know. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm, yep, yep, uh-huh. yep. That's yep. right. Yep, yep. That's right. Hey, are you new to this whole running your own business thing and not really sure how to get started? We've got you covered. Check out our signature course. You can do this. In it, we answer all of your burning questions like, what services should I offer? How do I find clients? How do I price myself? How do I set up and manage a simple financial system? How do taxes work? What do I need to be doing to ensure that I'm creating an intentional and healthy business? This is a great course for someone who is in their first year of business or is just curious about what it might take to launch their own freelance business. We offer it at a crazy low price of just $29, despite the amount of incredibly helpful content, because we are so, so, so passionate about empowering you to create a life and a living that truly works for your family. Head over to kenzacollective.com slash you can do this to get started today. All right, let's get back to the episode. The other piece of that, that, um, I think has gotten me really far in terms of my ability to network is that you, so, so my big thing is about how much value you're adding to your clients and your Mm -hmm. relationships. And, and, and this is something we, I teach in our course, which is like, that starts from before you even meet that potential client. And I'm not going to go into that right now, but that's, it starts with your website and your presence and all online presence and all that kind of stuff. But and so throughout the relationship, there are ways for you to inject value, which is like going above and beyond when unexpected mm-hmm. or giving a strategic suggestion or doing something that was unexpected for them, but is really helpful or whatever. There's all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways. But one of a great way to add value is to be able to refer other trusted people Absolutely. to your clients. Mm-hmm. And I have clients, I ha- literally have a client right now who every um, or she was a past client. Anytime they need someone, I'm the one she reaches out to. Do you know someone who can do this? Do you know yep. someone who could do that? And just recently she goes, every single recommendation you've sent us, we've worked with and we've loved. And so we're just going to keep asking you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah. And like, it makes me so happy to be that person, to be able to refer because that's amazing. I'm right. staying top of mind to my client because they know I'm going to bring them value, even if we're not engaged in a project. And I'm able to pay it forward to other people who I know are going to do great work. And it's just like this win, 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 win all around. So, you know, it's more than just like all of us standing together and all of us working together. Like that's super important, but it also helps you as an individual out there to bring more value to your clients, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think that that's the piece that um, I think I'm super interested in is just being able to promote people, but not take anything off the top quite frankly, right. you know, so I know. I, not that platforms that do that aren't a help. I mean, I think that things like that are instrumental in like getting the word out and having a place where like employers can go and find quality freelancers and things like that. I think that's super important. I think that we're our own, we're each other's best promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people ask other freelancers for recommendations all the time. And like, you don't always have someone you can recommend because you just maybe right. don't know. And so yeah. having a place where, um, 
you can you can you know have a place to go and ask people for help is is amazing and i think the other thing is like i'm a big believer in like doing focusing on your what you're good at and and what you actually want to be doing and that also means that then i think you need to branch out and partner with other people who are good at complementary mm -hmm. things so mm -hmm. even if you're both graphic designers but you're partnering with someone who is like really good at logo work and you're really good at I don't know, designing websites or something like that. So, it, you know, you can have, you could take on different clients and then still focus on the things that you're really, really good at. If you can mm -hmm. partner with other people, um, it allows you to be more valuable to your clients. Okay. So it sounds like just going back to where we started, how are you finding work is, is it sounds like you really tapped into your immediate network. To, and that's been a huge source for you is, is not necessarily mm -hmm. having to reach out to a cold network, although you do a little bit of that through social media yeah. and through just keeping your brand and your name top of mind as people are scrolling or getting newsletters in their inbox or anything like that. Um, and then also just really paying a lot of attention to building your referral network and paying it forward and doing all of that. And with all of those sort of tactics combined, which I feel like are really easy, natural tactics for people to do, you've been able to build a successful business for yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you just shouldn't be afraid to ask for referrals. Um, there have definitely been instances where um, I've been a little bit lean and I will be like, hmm. How am I how am I going to pay my mortgage next month? Um, and so I will literally just like reach out to, you know, clients or fellow freelancers and be like, hey, like just putting this out there, because like, quite frankly, most of the time with my two big clients, it takes up a lot of my time and I don't always have a ton of time to take on longer term contracts. Um, yeah. And so but like when those times come, I think it's like fine to just like reach out and be like, hey, just, so you know, like I'm I'm looking for work. If you yeah. know of anyone who like needs something like this. And I think that like that also helps keep you top of mind because people aren't always people don't always automatically think of like, I think especially for project managers, because it can be so broad that yeah. they're like, oh, like I never thought of like you to do this project because I thought that I needed like, I don't know, a website designer or a, mm -hmm. a graphic designer or a coder or something like that. And it's like, okay, you might also need those people. But if you hire me, I will save you time having to coordinate across all of those people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think it's like fine to just like be, especially, you know, if you have a network of people, especially fellow freelancers or really solid long-term clients that you're have a relationship with, it's fine to be like, hey, like, just so you know, like, I, I need to pick up a few more contracts before the end of the year. If you know anyone, like, shoot them my way. Yeah, totally. And there's something you said that I want to touch on before we move on, which is that you have these two clients that take up most of your time. And there's this myth that I'm like on a mission to bust about what what working for yourself looks like, because mm. I fell into this belief for many, many years, which is that as if you work for yourself, you're going to have to be constantly hustling to find clients. Yes. And if you're good at what you do, you're not going to have to do that. In fact, you might find yourself in a position where you're like, God, I'm kind of sick and tired of working for this client. Like mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to try something yep. different or work for someone else. And then you're like, how does that work? And that's a great mm -hmm. problem to have. You know, it's a totally different problem. But, you know, as parents, our time is limited to get work done. And you might very quickly find yourself with two clients who each have two projects for you and then they have more coming down the road and, and you're booked. You're just yeah. totally booked and you yeah. have someone asking for a project and you're like, God, I, I do want to do that. But like, I, I don't even know when I would do that. I, yeah. Like I just had a friend of mine try and get me to manage a project um, for one of her teams. And I was like, I literally don't have availability till like February. 
Like, yeah. do you, can you wait till then? They're like, no. Yeah. And so I referred to another friend and she landed it and that's awesome. You know? Yep. So I just, I want to keep busting that myth because I just don't think it's true. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think if you're, um, if you're good at what you do and you say what you're going to do and do it by when you said you were going to do it, it's like my, like my cardinal rule. <laughs> Me too, um, girl. Just Me like too. do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Life happens. I mean, yeah. like, I'm not saying that, like, sometimes that there's not extenuating circumstances. But if you do that, I agree. I think that and and that, again, goes back to like being able to then just like pay it forward. Like, right. I personally would love to know of five other amazing project managers besides you, mm -hmm. Tiffany, that because I know your plate is really full, um, <laughs> that I can um, refer work out to because I there's plenty of things where like either it's like a type of project where I'm like, that's not exactly like what I should be doing or want to be doing or like yeah. is my expertise level or it's just like, I just don't have enough time to do that. Right. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. Like, again, there's more than enough work to go around. It's just yeah. about like getting it and then like also pushing it out to like others. So can I ask a question? Can a slight shift of direction? Please um, do, because we're going to nerd out on project management. <laughs> we're going to build spreadsheets by the end of this call. <laughs> I've already started one. <laughs> so Sarah, tell us about the coaching that you do. And, and yeah. why do you do that? And, and how does that all work? So I think the coaching, um, this is something that I felt uh, like really called to do. Um, and I started thinking about it at the beginning of this year and have since been kind of building it and honing my skill set and working on um, building up my client base and stuff like that. I like to focus on coaching solo entrepreneurs. I think that um, solo entrepreneurs get into a place where um, you can feel really siloed. Um, you can feel like you have to figure everything out yourself or you don't have someone that can give you that outside perspective um, or just like, like, quite frankly, ask you the questions. I think a coaching in a, in a coaching relationship, you're mostly asking questions. Um, I think you're also like giving strategic advice every once in a while, but you're really just acting as a sounding board and asking people strategic questions to get them to their own answers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I like to focus on, um, coaching solo entrepreneurs, um, who really like, I think you could fall into several different categories. Like, like you're starting out and you just need, need to know where to start. Um, and you're ready to go out on your own. You're, um, you've been, you're a seasoned solo entrepreneur, but you need something just needs to shift. You need to shift your business model. Um, you need to shift the way that you're delivering work for clients. Um, I think the biggest one, like as a project manager is just like, like you said, Tiffany, everyone that works for themselves is a project manager to some extent. But I think as you and I know very well, not everyone is a project manager. <laughs> not everyone has the skill set to be a project manager, which is like totally fine. Um, but you have to have at least those systems. And I think that you don't have to you don't have to have like a project manager brain in order to do those things. If you just like lean on someone that knows how to do that and can just like help you set up those systems. So that's another thing that I like to do in my coaching is just take someone who's like a really good writer or a really good graphic designer or a really good um, content creator, but they're having trouble like actually delivering the goods for their clients. And it's not because they're bad at what they do. It's because they're not a project manager. 
And you could just take them, you know, I could take like a few hours of our time together and like maybe a little bit of time for me on the back end of just like refining systems and auditing their processes to say like, hey, like maybe if you just like do this with your process, it'll save you a ton of time and you'll be able to then, you know, deliver high quality work for your clients without like spending a million hours a week. So I think a lot of it is just like auditing and and helping people look at process in a different way. Yeah. And giving them that project management training. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, even if, you know, like a lot of us, if we're out running our own businesses, you have something in you where you can get to that level of like being able to project manage yourself yeah. and your clients. But if you've never, ever, ever had to do that or ever had any sort of shred of training on that, like, how can you expect someone to just yeah. know how to do that? And so it's like something I try and like share a lot, similar to what you were saying is like, Hey, yeah, you're a freelancer, but you're also a project manager now. And do you actually know how to do that? And have you mm-hmm. ever been trained? Because you probably should at least figure some of that out for yourself to Absolutely. save yourself some headache. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that you're doing that. What a great, what a great um, business to be, to be in and be teaching people. I love yeah. that. What's like, what's the most challenging part of being a project manager and also what's the most rewarding part of it? I think the most challenging part of it. And I like actually had this epiphany a couple of weeks ago where I was like, mm, okay. Um, <laughs> is that you're inherently not always, but I think you're inherently working for people who don't, have the same organizational brain as you do. And again, that's fine. Like, I don't need everyone to be a project manager. That's like, you know, why people pay me to do what I do is because I have a unique skill set, which everyone has a unique skill set. Um, but I, but you're, I think you're inherently working with people who are, um, just don't see process in the same way you do. So oftentimes it will be, it, it's really easy for me to connect the dots and be like, okay, you need to do this. You need to have this done by this date. And so that means you need to do this here and this here and this here and this here. And that means we should have started three weeks ago. Um, and, and then in my brain, I'm like, I don't understand why I'm the only person that sees that. But it's because it's just because I, again, like not everyone has that skill set, which is fine. But that I think is one thing is like, which probably is true for everyone's unique skill set is you look at it and you're like, I don't understand why yeah. like people probably look at me a lot of uh, uh, clients of mine are probably like, like, she's just looking at the minutia. But like, <laughs> I have this like big vision. And I'm like, yeah, but like, we should have started three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, so like, it goes both ways. Absolutely. But I think that that's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot over the last few weeks is I'm just like, hmm. Uh huh. Like I just look at things in a unique way. And by the nature of my job, I'm usually working for people that do not look at things that way. And that's why they hired me. So it's just like translating that. Don't you Um, love it, Sarah, when a client's like, we need to get this thing done by this date. And you're like, that's cool. That's mm -hmm, not going to happen. And it's just so matter of fact. (laughs) And they're just like, but it has to. And you're like, oh, I get that it has to, but it's literally not going to happen. So let's make a plan for reality. That's right. Even though you want to make a plan for not reality. This is (laughs) is another big thing that I like tell freelancers is like, don't like you have to say that because if you tell them it can happen, then it's not going to happen and it's going to be on you. Right. So like you have to tell people, you have to tell them the reality up front. Like that is not a long enough timeline. That is not a big enough budget. 
you do not have the right capacity to do that because if not, it's going to come back on you and then you're going to look like a bad project manager. So it, or a bad, whatever. Like, I think that applies to literally across the board, like call people, push your clients on like what is actually feasible because Mm -hmm. you will get trapped in a no win situation. this is not the time to be a people pleaser Mm-mm. because you will lose. They will lose. Everyone loses. That's like, right. You have to say it how it is. And, and I struggled with this because I felt like sometimes at the last creative agency I worked with, you know, I felt like I was just being like the negative Nancy and not being excited about a new project because mm-hmm. I would constantly like, like you said, I could like plan it all out in my brain and be like, yeah, that's not going to happen. No. That is literally not going no. to happen. Yeah. And, and, but then I would have like the, the owner or the client being like, yeah, but it has to. And it's like, I would get to a point where I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you. Like I will put literally a thousand dollars. This is not going to happen by this date, but I'm going to push forward. Cause that's what you're saying. Okay, fine. Right. And yeah, it's just, it's I just need to put my, to I need to put my stake in the sand right now. Like yeah. we're putting this on paper. I told yeah. you this is not going to happen <laughs> or it will happen, but it'll be like much lower quality than you want yeah. it to be. Right? Or everybody's like, going to be stressed. AF everyone's going to be exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's not fun being that person in the room. Oftentimes on on Zoom calls, I'll get like Slack messages in the middle of the Zoom call because I like can't I don't have I have no poker face. And it'll be and they'll be like I'm the same one. Are you uh are you okay? And I'm like, Yep, I'm fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Oh god, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Um, so that's the that's the like sort of underbelly of project yeah. management. Let's tell us about the overbelly. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> what is, what are the highs? Say? We talked about the lows. What yeah. are the highs? I mean, I think that the highs are seeing things come to fruition. So like at the end, like both like in like midstream and at the end. So especially if I'm like building something um, like a membership group or an online course or something like that, where it's like, you once it's like up and running, you can see all the systems that you built like functioning, like cogs. Um, and so that's like amazing. Or you just like get to the end and you like see everything you built, like um, uh, not alone, obviously, but the plan you built and everyone's work that went into it result in this like amazing thing that wouldn't have been as amazing if you hadn't of like put the time and effort into like make that plan from the beginning not as amazing and or just like people actually being happy and like not you know sleep deprived and right hating their lives yeah Yeah. um so that's definitely i think the um the 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 beauty of it which is the same like in coaching freelancers too i think like once you see that like you fix a process and they're like oh my gosh, that saved me just like four hours of my week mm-hmm. that I was like doing this. And you're like, yeah, you just like this. And then there you go. It's like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then how does that add up over the months and the mm-hmm. years? And what are you doing with that? That's exciting. right. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things I like to do at the end of a project or at the end of an engagement with a client is like recap everything mm-hmm. that went down. Because it's so easy, especially towards the end of a project, sometimes you can be like, God, I just want this to be over with, you know, mm-hmm. or like, oh, you're just kind of sick of thinking about it, looking at it. But like, then it does get done. It's so easy to just move into the next thing. But if you stop and say, like, let's just recap, like, bullet it out. Like, we did this. We did that. We accomplished this. We did it in this time frame. And look how happy and look at our yeah. numbers and look at what the sales are doing or whatever. Like, let's just take a moment because we spend so much time thinking about a project, planning it out 
doing all the logistics, knowing we need to get to that point. And then I think a lot of times we don't stop and say like, Hey, look how like awesome we did. And sometimes I even put those bullets in the final invoice to a client and say like, what an amazing project this was with you. Look at all we accomplished. Like what a pleasure it was to be able to execute this together. And, you know, thank you for, you know, giving me that or whatever. Um, Yeah, that's a fun fun part of it for me too. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of a debrief. Every time I want to do a debrief, everyone's like, ugh, why do we have another debrief? (laughs) And I'm like, if you don't just like pause and like look back and look forward, depending on like, you know, if it's a project that has like a cyclical nature, then like it's more important that you're doing it midstream all the time too. But like mm-hmm. everyone's like, no one wants to take the time to do it. And then after we do it, they're like, oh my gosh, it was so helpful. Like listen to <laughs> at what, how everyone felt about how things went. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's pretty much like our, the project manager's phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I told yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Remember I told you. That's right. I just, uh, yeah. Um, you're like, how about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember when I put my stake in the sand, like a month ago, I told yes. you. Yeah. <laughs> I literally had that exact conversation with a client on Monday where they like posed for literally four weeks ago, they wanted this thing done. And I was like, I love your enthusiasm and I understand why you want that and let's work for it. But I also want you to come up with a backup plan because I'm not confident that that's actually going to happen. And just Monday, it's been four weeks. And I was like, remember that conversation? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, did you put a plan in your back pocket? He's like, I guess. <laughs> like, now's the time to pull it out. And I didn't that's say cool. I told you so. I didn't do any of that. I just internally felt it. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's get some, let's get practical. So um, sure. we know that we know about your childcare situation and that one day you just wing it, which I love that. Cause that's, that's exactly what we do. We have a day Fridays, we sort of wing it. Yep, like, what do you need? Right. What do you need? But I need this, mm-hmm. but I need that. Um, and so that seems like, so, so you're working sort of most of the day, like what is, what are your day to day sort of look like? And then let's also talk about, you know, how much you think, um, freelancers, freelance project managers out there can realistically expect to be making, you know, sure. on an annual or quarterly basis. Sure. I think that, um, okay. So for day to day, um, it really depends on the day. Um, <laughs> and like the projects I'm working on and things like that. I mean, like I said, I try, I very rarely work a 40 hour week. Um, And so what I try to do is I work, I'm like looking at my calendar on my other screen here. Um, (laughs) I work, um, I work about, I would say six to seven hours a day. And then usually like a half day on Fridays. It really depends. I try and block out. I mean, I also, you know, am in the process of building my own business in terms of like my coaching and my online courses and things like that. And so I also Mm -hmm. try to block out time where I'm working on like my own projects, um, which don't at the moment pay me any money. Um, and so that's always a tricky, um, tricky time balance thing to do. Um, but basically the, I have like some, I have standing calls with like, um, my clients, um, throughout the week. I try to cluster those as best I can together. Um, and then I try to, I have like on Mondays, I always take some time at the very beginning of the day to just like plan out when I'm going to like work out and go outside and do those kinds of things. I try to put all those things on my calendar at the beginning of the week. Do I always follow through on them? No, but I try to put them all on my calendar at the beginning of the week. 
don't you love when you dismiss the calendar reminder that says mm -hmm. work out? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 I'll yeah. get to that. I also have like a standing <laughs> one that says meditate and like almost always I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Every time it comes up, I'm like, mm, no. Mm, not um, feeling it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm like, I know I need that, but yeah. mm -mm, it's not going to happen. Um, so I have this, I have this criteria where I'm like, Okay, is this work activity more important than my Pilates class or mm. less important? Mm -hmm. Will I cancel Pilates for this? You know, mm. it's yeah. that kind of thing. Because yeah. sometimes you do, you have to cancel you have this to. thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or especially if you're like in the zone, like, yeah, I, I you know, I like plan, like making a plan or doing something where I'm like really in the zone. I'm like, okay, I just have to like push that thing and like I'll do it tomorrow or next week or things like that. So, I mean, it, it really depends. I try to, I try to limit the note. I hate days where I have back-to-back -back calls all day. It's like no. my least favorite type of day. Um, so I try to really block out like some solid work time every week and like at least some, uh, you know, some hours of solid work time for my own stuff. And then, um, my standing calls throughout the week, but yeah, I would say six to seven hours a week and then like a half day on Fridays. I think the other thing we try and do is like me and my husband try and block out some like at home yoga together here and there, mm. things like that, which again, like not saying it always happens, but we try. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about like in your experience, especially working with others in your network. Like, I mean, obviously this is a totally sustainable career path for you, mm. right? Yeah. And you're making the level that you want to be making and, you know, without getting into numbers necessarily, like, do you, do you have anything to say about just like what, what people can expect to be making doing this type of thing? I mean, I think like at a super high level, something that I like am constantly telling freelancers is just like charge what you're worth and like mm -hmm. do your research. So I would say like talk to other, talk to other freelancers, project managers, whoever, whatever type of freelancer you are in your field that, and if you're a project manager, talk to other project managers in your field that, um, who do the same thing you do, same types mm -hmm. of projects, because I think it really depends. I charge a higher hourly rate when I'm doing like a strategic plan for a project, um, as opposed to like executing a project. Mm -hmm. Um, and I charge a much higher rate for like individual coaching. Um, and so I think you want to like stratify your pricing. I would, I mean, I'll like when I started out, I was, um, charging an hourly rate. I think I like started at an hourly rate of like $35 an hour. And immediately one of the, one of my friends who I was working, who was a colleague and who had hired me as a contractor was like, no, no, you need to be charging at least 50. Yeah, um, double that and, girl. Yeah. And so yeah. I, and I'm, I mean like I, and, and I try to structure my contracts not on an hourly basis right now, but I think like we all think of ter in terms of hourly rates when we're structuring our time, even if we're agreeing to a flat rate. And mm -hmm. so I would say when you're structuring a contract with someone, you're looking at between like, I would say like 40 to $75 an hour, and mm -hmm. then like stratify it up from there, depending on the type of work that you're doing. I think that the reason that I try not to work on an hourly basis is because um, I generally get a lot more done in one hour than 
other people that I work with. I say that all the time. I'm like, my hour is different than your hour. My hour is different than your hour. (laughs) And I think that once you work, once you work with clients, like I think clients, depending on the type of project, quite frankly, clients will push you to do an hourly rate for them and they'll push you to do a flat rate for them. And like, Mm -hmm. sometimes it makes sense to do an hourly rate and sometimes it makes sense to do a flat rate. You always got to like take those things into consideration. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say like biggest thing, do your research, um, talk to other people that do similar work to you and then like align your pricing with theirs. Cause I think people will like underprice themselves to try and be competitive. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, what that ends up looking like is that you're not that good. Right. So like I've hired plenty of people off of Upwork and when I'm looking at their pricing, I, I look at someone who's like has the right skill set and is like kind of somewhere in the middle. Because mm-hmm. if you're dra- charging drastically lower than everyone else, people are going to have questions about your quality. Yeah, um, totally. And so I think you want to definitely be like, um, commensurate with other people who are doing similar work to you. And then Mm -hmm. also like, don't be afraid to, to increase if you have long-term clients, I think like Mm -hmm. once they start working with you and they're like, oh yeah, your hour really is different than what someone else's hour is (laughs) like, then you're like, okay, great. So I want, you know, an extra $25 an hour because like, you know, now what I can do in an hour, or I want to structure it this way. Now that we've worked together for a few months and like, we both understand what this is going to be like, let's just Mm -hmm. agree to a flat rate, which would look, you know, something like this. Over here at Kenza, we are um, huge proponents of, of just not having an hourly rate that's Mm -hmm. revealed outside of your own internal. Exactly. Yeah. um, You have it in your head, but you don't. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's really important because one of the reasons why I got so frustrated working in a normal workforce is because of that, like my hour is different. And I Mm -hmm. felt like I wasn't being rewarded for becoming more efficient because if I got done with my day early, I wasn't allowed to leave because we had to put in eight hours that day. Or oh my gosh, that's like same for me. So yeah. much the same. I was like, yeah. I don't understand why I need to be here from eight to four. Like, I know. It's like, I'm already it done. Reminds, right. I remember, I remember like being in college and being like, this needs to be a 2000 word paper. And I'd write it. And it's like 1500 words. And I'm like, I don't have any more to say. I've said it all. Why are Those you are all my to words. put more words in? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Cause then you start repeating after a while. Yeah. yeah that's you right. just fluff. You're like, yeah. all right, I'll add a paragraph here to explain this one thing more, but it doesn't need it. So, you know, and I, I remember feeling that pain and that frustration literally all through school and all through college. Oh yeah. And I think that's watching the clock in school. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there watching the clock, the second hand go around. Like, exactly. Do I need to be here? Cause I can go home and read this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I think it's really important. Like when, when the way that I coach people to figure out their pricing is to basically like do a really detailed scope of work. And then take that scope of work and open up a spreadsheet and go line by line of everything that you're going to need to do in that. And then estimate how long each of those things are going to take you. Yep. And and then put in your hourly rate and come to a total of like just a base total of like, I think this project's going to be $2,500 based on an hourly rate of 75. Yep. And the fact that I think it's going to take me whatever 2,500 by 75 divided by 75 is hourly uh, or amount of hours in a project. And then you, then that's not the end of the story. Then you got to either adjust it. So sometimes I adjust it by, I know this, this client is new for me and I've kind of heard some things that maybe they're kind of a pain in the, you know what? So I'm actually going to pad this by like five hours or, um, maybe this client, you know, I hit 2,500 and this is a really common thing that I really just try and tell people not to do. Let's say you do that. You do that objective exercise and you come up with 2,500. And the client has told you that they have a budget of 2000. Don't just be like, oh, I'll just make it 2000. 
because I know I need to hit their budget. You have two options. One, you can say, look, I went through everything. Here's my thought process. Here's everything that needs to get done. And this is going to be $2,500 for me to do. And guess what? They're going to have that budget. Or mm -hmm. if that's not something you're comfortable with, or you think that they're going to be able to do, then you need to cut some of the scope. Yes. You don't just take that money off. You cut your scope and you say to them, here's what I'm able to do within your budget. And you don't need to reveal your hourly rates. You don't need to reveal the exercise you went through. You don't have to reveal any of that. You just say like, for me to do this project, this is how much it costs, this scope right here. Yep. Um, another tactic that some people can do, um, and we actually adopted this the last agency I was at, was we gave tiered pricing. So one or two or three tiers, different levels of engagement. Again, without revealing necessarily like, how much each line item you think is going to cost them because then that can lead to cherry picking your proposals. But you know, you say like, here's like the basic tier and here's how much that would be. Here's the next level tier. Here's how much that would be in the third, you know, be like yeah. the, the full shebang. And that gives people something to compare to, which all human brains want to be able to compare something like yeah. is 2,500 a good price for this project. I don't really know. That's just kind of what she's telling me, you know? So Anyway, yeah, it's the the eternal hourly versus yeah. not, you know, versus project-based debate will continue on in the freelance world, um, but we're, well, we're team value-based over here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the other, the only, like, my personal PSA that I'm just going to throw out there, too, around this yeah, is that, like, women are constantly selling themselves short for how much yes. they can make, both yeah. in traditional employment scenarios and, um I wrote a blog a few months ago about getting paid what you deserve. And it has a statistic in it where a recent study showed that people that work for themselves, men are getting paid 43% more than women. <sighs> in a traditional employment scenario, it's 17%. So like, it's already not good. Wow. But so that's the thing too, is like, ladies, like do not sell yourself short, like do your research, charge what you're worth and then add at least 10% to that because yeah. guaranteed, <laughs> guaranteed if a man is competing for the same job, they're asking for what they're worth. Mm -hmm. And so just, and that's just like, yeah. And then so, mm -hmm. and so like, uh, this is just like, I will like go to my grave being like, ladies, <laughs> ask for more, ask for more, ask for more. Like, yeah, don't sell yourself short. And by the way, I just want to throw this out there too. Sarah has, her blog is awesome. The content she posts and the the way she thinks about things and the way that she's trying to help people with everything we're talking about here is just really, really, really great. So make sure to go to fruitioninitiatives.com and check out her blog and subscribe because um, I think it could be really helpful for people out in listener land. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it's helpful. You know, sometimes you yeah. put those things out there and you're like, no one's ever going to see this. I don't know why I'm doing this. I know. <laughs> so it makes me feel so good. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so um, let's start to wrap up a little bit, but I do want to touch on something that you just produced, a labor of love. I know you just released an online course. Tell us about that. I did. Um, so it's called Run Your Business Instead of Letting It Run You. It's for people who I think are mostly already in the freelancing world, although I think there's definitely things that are applicable for people new to freelancing as well, but it really gives you a system for engaging with your clients from beginning to end. So building replicable systems across the way you work with clients. Um, 
so that you can do better work in less time and over deliver for your clients every time. Um, so it's about really it's about systematizing your work. It starts with organizing your time. It goes through kicking off work with clients and even the pre-contract process before it, like you said, you're delivering quality for your clients starts way before you even have the job, before you have that first conversation, um, getting the right information up front from your clients, building an amazing proposal, and then all the way through um, project planning, project execution, and then my, my favorite, the debrief, um, which everyone already <laughs> always skips. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, um, all the details are on my website. Um, and there's tons of great, like templates, resources, planning tools, um, agendas, slide decks, all kinds of things that you get, um, with the course. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, about it. My I hope heart. It, Just I hope literally, it, I feel warmed I know, I, in my heart area. Your, your course also warms my heart. Um, Aww. so I think, I, I mean, it's, it's a labor of love. And like I said, like the more the merrier, I think that like we should all be leveraging our own talents and like spreading, spreading, spreading the wealth of working for yourself and doing it well and um, yeah, yes. helping it help you um, live the life that you want to lead. So my website is fruitioninitiatives.com. Um, and yeah, my course is there, my blog is there, all kinds of good tools and resources and information about my coaching and stuff like that too. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for your knowledge and your wisdom. I think we are definitely going to need to have you back on and, and yes. dive into some more specific topics just around project management and helping freelancers who are not project managers understand mm -hmm. how to be basically what your course is teaching people. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll definitely have you back. And we just really, really appreciate your perspective and congratulations on building a really successful business for yourself. We're excited to see where everything goes. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure.